the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Thanks so much for tuning in. As I tell you every week, we love doing this. We're excited to do it. We are anointed. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord Jesus Christ. This day, that word is fulfilled in your ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we interrupted our teaching on the book of Revelation. We got through the first four chapters of the book of Revelation, talked about the church, Jesus Christ, who's in heaven in Revelation 4 before the tribulation comes. And last week, we veered into the topic of the sovereignty of God, the reason I'm teaching it. We ran into some issues in our former local church about this, where it was being taught that God is not sovereign. And I don't get bent out of shape. People have different opinions and different doctrines. But this one is serious stuff to me. This is very rude. The fact that we would dare to say that God is not sovereign in the earth today. We allow him to be sovereign in heaven, but we don't allow him sovereignty in the earth. So I'm doing a teaching on that to correct it. I don't know who's listening. I pray by divine appointment. Those that need to hear this will hear it and receive it, Father God. We don't look to condemn anybody. We're not in that position. That's not what we're called to do. Jesus said, this is not the time of condemnation. This is the time of salvation. I didn't come to condemn the earth right now, but that me, through the word, the earth might be saved. So, Father, I thank you, Father, for watching over your word, performing it, and bringing many to repentance in the name of Jesus. Last week, we spoke about God being sovereign from the standpoint of the mindset that God is not sovereign. How can God be sovereign and still allow man to be a free will moral agent? And we went through that. We showed you where there's no contradiction there. There's no crisis there. That both can be done with God. All things are possible. Personally, I don't even see it as a difficult thing for God to do. But today, I want to focus on the reason that the Word of Faith people are talking about the fact that God is not sovereign in the earth. And the reason they give is because, in their mind's eye, it's not disrespectful. It's just because we're appropriating the promises of God that said God is given power to the earth of power in the church today. And so let me make a couple of statements. Let me give you a couple of scriptures, get you a quote or two for some people, and we'll get into this lesson today. I repeat, God is sovereign in heaven. He is sovereign in the earth. He is sovereign everywhere, all the time. There is nothing that is not made by Christ. He is the ruler over all things forever and ever. To God be the glory. Amen. All authority stems from God. 
all authority, not some, not most, all of it. I think that's indisputable. Nobody would argue with that. All authority stems from God. Anyone who possesses any authority at all has it because God gave it to him. Remember Jesus talking to Pilate? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivers me unto thee hath the greater sin. That's in John 19.11. Romans 13.1 says the same thing. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. When God created Adam, and I'm going to quote you from... Brother David's servant. When God created Adam, he did give Adam certain authority. But Adam's authority was clearly limited. It was not unlimited. God told him, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis one twenty eight. Obviously, Adam was not given absolute sovereignty over everything on the earth. He couldn't control the weather. Essentially, God gave Adam authority to rule over fish and birds and animals, and that was it. Moreover, Adam was very much still under God's authority as an under-ruler, as plainly indicated by the fact that God judged him when Adam sinned. Adam couldn't rule over God and kick him out of the garden. (laughs) No, God did that to Adam because God is still sovereign in the earth. That was after God gave the earth so-called dominion over to Adam, to mankind. So people say that, well, God gave the earth over to man. So he gave it with limitations. He didn't divest himself of his power and place it in Adam and say, you get to do everything. I'm out of the situation. That is not what happened. Anybody that tells you that is misrepresenting, doesn't know the Bible, doesn't know the God of the Bible, and is living a lie. Luke 10, 19, Behold, Jesus says, I, this is talking to the saints. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. The spirits are subject unto you. They were getting all excited because they were casting out devils. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In the midst of their joy at the success of what they were doing, the work of God and their power over demon spirits, they were doing good stuff. They were doing the will of Jesus under his authority. So Jesus was saying, look, you're getting all excited because you have this authority and I gave you that authority, but that should not be the reason for your joy. Jesus reminded them against becoming prideful in their accomplishments. He kept their focus from becoming self-centered. Their rejoicing, our rejoicing, your rejoicing should never be in what we can do for God. I don't care how worthwhile it is. But your rejoicing should always be God-centered based on and in what he has already done for us. Do you see that? These guys are getting all excited. Jesus gave them authority, and they saw it manifested. They saw devils bow their knee at the mention of the name of Jesus. They saw devils come out. They saw them with victory and power as they were out there ministering for Jesus Christ. They came back. They were thrilled. And Jesus checked them. He said, hey, your rejoicing should not be in the authority that I've given you, that demon spirits are subjects to you, but your authority should be because your names are written in heaven. Their names were written in heaven because of what God, through Jesus, had done for them. And that's the point right here. I'm going to repeat that last sentence. 
They're rejoicing and our rejoicing should never be in what we can do for God, no matter how worthwhile it is. But our rejoicing should always be God-centered and in what he has done for us. Today's world, men shall be lovers of themselves. You know, it's the I am generation. Everything is about us, whether it's the songs we sing in church. I am a friend of God. I am who he says I am. I'm no longer a slave to spear. All these songs. You don't go to church to worship the church. You go to church to worship the God, the head of the church. And we've got that all backwards. We use that holiest moment during worship time to go ahead and sing about ourselves. Come on, guys. You go to church to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to fellowship with the saints, to bring your tithes and offerings, perhaps to build a community of relationship, to learn the word of God, to minister to the needs of the saints. But to sing about ourselves at the time of worship, it's just, it's symptomatic of everything that's wrong in America today. The Word of Faith crowd, my former crowd. I'm still word of faith. I believe in faith. I believe in the word. I believe in using my faith to accumulate blessings for others. I believe in using my faith to serve God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I believe in using my faith to please God. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But Lord, we are not those that draw back unto perdition, unto sin, unto faithlessness, but we are those to believe to the saving of our souls. So of course we want to use our faith But we're using it for ourselves. We created a gospel of acquisition where we accumulate things. No, Isaiah 58, remember, I think I talked about it last week, the fast that God chose, you know, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that we would break every yoke of bondage, that we would be ministered to the poor, that we would provide clothing to those that have been cast out, that we would be ministers of provision to our families. It's a gospel, and when you're fasting, it's for others. Just think, we got to be others minded. Hallelujah. We were in prayer in Bible study the other day, and I'm talking about the fact that, you know, we're failing our nation as a church. We're supposed to be rebuking the evilness in the world, evil powers. We're supposed to be shining the light upon them. We are supposed to be chastising them. We are supposed to be calling them out. You know, the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion when the government's doing evil things. We, the church, the moral agent in the earth today, we're supposed to be challenging them in the authority of Jesus Christ. And so I was saying we've been failing in that. And one of our friends said, what are you saying we? I says, we, the body of Christ, we're failing as Americans. You know, we're all together in this. And That person said, well, I'm not considering myself in that. I'm not failing. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I go, gee. And, you know, and then I was thinking of Daniel, where Daniel was interceding for Israel. And he said, Lord, we have sinned. We are shameless. We have done wrong. We have forgotten your laws and your commandments. He took upon himself the sin of the people that he was interceding for. And so I was just thinking, other people commented that this person, they were thinking of themselves as that guy, the publican. Remember, there was one guy who was beating his chest, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And the other guy was thanking the Lord, I'm not like them, praise the Lord. That was very prideful, that was very arrogant. And that's the wrong mindset. And that's symptomatic of the situation where pride is just It's just all over, interspersed in our church, in our preaching, in the body of Christ, in America, and we just can't seem to get past that. That's one of the reasons we can sit there and say that God's not sovereign in the earth. He gave us power. I would not want to say that to anybody. If he gave us power and he's no longer sovereign in the earth, but we are, what in heaven's name are we doing with the power for the nation to be in such a mess like it is now? 
Okay, the Word of Faith crowd, just like the hypergrace crowd, has taken a biblical principle and they've run away with it. Jesus gave them authority. I get it. Because of their carnal lust for power, instead of receiving Holy Ghost revelation to understand these scriptures, they are walking in wisdom that is earthly and sensual and ultimately devilish, and it's leading them astray. James 3.15 The wisdom does not descend from above. But it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. So we see this. It's a manifestation of the scripture. When we rely on human reasoning, we forsake the Holy Spirit of God. People who don't understand God, they make up their own ideas of who he is today. I see it all the time. Talking with a pastor friend. Today, because we don't take the time to read our Bibles, or we follow man's religion, or we mix our lack of understanding with a little bit of scripture, we come to misconceptions about who God really is. Worse yet, when our leaders do this, it becomes contagious with the entire body, with the entire church falling for the teaching that's coming out of the pulpit because we respect the pulpit. I expect to get truths from the pulpit. I'm a little bit stronger than that. I demand truth from my pulpit. And once again, many churches are dying slow deaths because of this apostasy, because of false teaching like this. So Barclay, William Barclay, old-time commentator, so instead of looking out to God, man looks unto himself. He involves himself in vain speculations and thinks himself wise all the time he is playing the fool. Why? He is the fool because he made his ideas, he made his opinions, his vain speculations, and his standards and the law of his life. My new standard, if it's not the Bible, some of these guys, what their opinion. We hear people, I think, I think, I think, and then you give them a scripture. Say, okay, tell me why you think this. They don't give you a scripture. You give them a scripture, showing them your counter, their thinking, and they just stay on their thoughts. They have no desire to let the word of God reprove them. This pastor friend I was talking about, we were talking about uh, 9-11, and this person couldn't understand how a loving God could allow 3,000 people to die, 3,000 just people. I says, well, we don't know that they are just. We don't know that they are good. I don't mind assuming that many of them were good, innocent people. And yet when God wants to get a message across, he can do anything he wants. Why? Because he's sovereign. And so this person was saying, I just can't see. I don't think a loving God would do something like that. Because he doesn't read the Bible, because he doesn't know the Old Testament, I'm sorry, this person does read the Bible, but because they don't know what the Old Testament says about God's judgment, and their thinking overrules the way God judges people today, you know, when we reject God, all bets are off. We don't live under the blessings when we live in sin, we live under the curse. And there's a penalty to pay when we disobey God. And if God decides, you know, I need to kill 3,000 people with an attack from the enemy to go ahead and take those lives so that I can get America's attention and get them back in church and Bible reading, he is allowed to do that. But because we don't understand it, we don't allow God to do judgment in the earth. And this person plainly said, I, I don't think that's the way God would do it. And I gave scripture after scripture where in the Old Testament, God did this and God did that. Well, that's Old Testament. Nothing more I detest than when people try to change God by saying, well, that's Old Testament. He's not the same God in the New Testament. He most certainly is. It's not the same covenant as the Old Covenant. It's a new covenant. But the new covenant doesn't change who God is. It changes who we can be. It changes our relationship with God if we accept the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, I'm sorry, I was reading from Barclay. Okay, so instead of looking out to God, man looks to himself. We see that all the time. It's so obvious in today's generation, the I am generation. Last days, men would be lovers of themselves. He involves himself in vain speculations, and he thinks himself wise all the time he is the fool. 
He is the fool because he has made his ideas, his opinions, his vain speculations, the standard and the law of his life instead of the will of God. He no longer lives his life based on the word of God and what the will of God is. He's living his life based on what he thinks. I see it everywhere. The sinner's folly consisted in making man the master of things. He found his standards in his own opinions and not in the laws of God. He lives in a self-centered universe rather than a God-centered universe. And that's what this lovers of self is all about. We don't take the time to study the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. And when we come against something that we don't understand, we just dismiss it. This is fallen man's perspective on God. Unfortunately, this perspective penetrates and permeates our seminaries and our churches as well. Listen, catch this. We fail to understand something, so we reason it out in our own minds. And even worse, we teach it to others as gospel. Know this. A lack of understanding isn't supposed to lead you to the safety of your mind, but a lack of understanding is it's actually a call from God to go deeper with him. Do you understand that? If there's something I don't understand, you know, the natural man quickly goes back to what he knows, what he's learned in the five sense realm. No, ideally, you're supposed to go deeper with God, seek God, open up the scripture, pray about the scripture, and ask him, Lord, I didn't understand why you killed 3,000 people during the 9-11 crisis. I don't understand that. Talk to me. You'll go back and you read some scriptures like I did, Isaiah 26, 9. When God's judgments are in the earth, the nations will learn righteousness. God's judgments have a purpose. They are designed to teach us what righteous living will look like. If the church will not preach it, if the church will not live it, if the church will not pay attention to the prophets, if the church will not read the Bible for their own, God has nothing left but to judge. And those judgments have a purpose, and the purpose the purpose is designed to teach us what righteous living looks like. There's another scripture. It talks about that uh, God is known by the judgments that he executes. I don't get that. The Bible clearly says, A, God's judgments are in the earth to teach us what righteous living looks like, and he's known by the judgments that he executes. But you know, the church today, we've got no insight into judgment. We don't allow judgment within our own church. We don't call people out in their sin. We barely judge in our homes. Our children are running rampant in the streets. We let the computer and the games do babysitting for us instead of teaching them the principles of the Bible. They have no revelation of who God is. They have no understanding of what Christian living looks like. We're a carnal society. We're a carnal church. We're a compromising church. We've got cowards. We've got compromising people in the pulpits. We need to go back to studying the Word of God. We need to repent as a nation. We need to lead them into repentance by showing them what repentance looks like. I'm a firm believer that we can get rid of some of these sins and that some of these judgments that are on the earth, but the church needs to lead by example. A lack of understanding is obviously a call from God to go deeper with him, to dig in the word and find truth that will enable us to know him better. I can choose to live my life based on my own finite carnal reasoning which leads to error. Or I can seek his wisdom, find it in the word, experience his presence, and become the servant that he requires me to be. There are no shortcuts. There are no easy ways. There are no lesser roads to God. Sovereignty was an issue way back when, when they were wondering about, well, how come sovereign God give authority and free will to man? And so we got past that in a society. I don't think that's a big issue anymore. There may be some holdouts that still try to deny God his sovereignty, but not on that issue. The bigger issue now is about the ability, the authority that God gave to man. 
So yet the obstacle to understanding it then was how God could be sovereign and still allow man his free will. We've moved beyond that. Now the conflict is between God's sovereignty and man's God-given authority in the earth. Yes, God gave man authority in the realm of the spirit. Yes, he gave us authority in the earth. Yes, the church has power to restrain evil. There's even more, but at no point did he give up his ownership of creation. God gave Adam the authority over fish, over birds, over the creatures in the sea, over cattle. He gave him authority over the creatures he created, and that was it. Word of faith, folks, take liberty with the scripture. At the risk of being long, let me give you a recent example, true examples. A word of faith leader told me this personally, that God is only sovereign in heaven and not in the earth today. Because, why? He gave us authority. Okay, I understand that. I get it. I even know the scriptures. Another very famous word of faith leader writes, After 41 years of studying the word and preaching the gospel, I've come to realize that God does very few things, if any, in this earth without man's cooperation. Uh, you know, I, I don't agree with that, and yet I can see where it's heading. While that statement is greatly short-sighted, I can name a hundred things that God does in the earth without man. I could name a thousand things probably that he does in the earth without man. But uh, it's also arrogant, and it's also wrong. But he does leave God a bit of wiggle room uh, to be sovereign, and that was nice of him. Very few things, if any, in this earth of that man's cooperation. But if you read down in his writing, he'll tell you this. He jumps a few sentences down, and he says, So until man's lease on this planet expires, God restricts his power on the earth, taking action only when he is asked to do so. That's ridiculous. I, I never. And this man is followed by millions. I don't understand. People send him this money. He's, he's a billionaire, this guy. Well, right next to being a billionaire. And people are swallowing this stuff. You know, one of the greatest issues in the earth today is the fear of the Lord. It's a huge contributor to the missing components of today's Christianity. There is no fear of the Lord. Well, how could you fear a God that you're painting is not sovereign if we don't have to answer to him for our sin? If we don't have to go to him for instruction? If all we have to do is ask him to do our will, and he must do it because we got a scripture to support it. Never mind this guy's opinion. Let's go back and check out the word. It's my belief that all of this comes out of a lust for power, a lust to be in control, a lust to make ourselves masters of the universe. It comes from evil in man's heart that is rooted in pride. We're not supposed to have these type of feelings. We're not supposed to have these demons. We in the church do not guard against this as we should. We don't deal with it biblically. I've never heard a sermon on it, and I believe it's because pride is running rampant in our pulpits. It's a huge contributor to the missing component in today's Christianity, the fear of the Lord. Psalm 136, 6. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven. Okay, we're all in agreement there. And he did it in the earth. Whoop, that stops him right there. In the seas and in all the deep places. God does whatever the Lord pleases. He does whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, wherever he pleases. I don't understand why we fight with that scripture. It goes back to, I think. When you think like that, you're being influenced by demonic thoughts. You are influenced by Satan. You are being influenced by your carnality in your attempt to defend your taking pride as your in carnal reasoning as your reason for opposing scripture. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. There will come a time when man will rule and reign together with Jesus, but that's not till the millennial reign of Christ. And even then, we don't rule 
instead of him, we rule alongside with him under his authority. Man's problem from the beginning, starting with Adam, is rebellion against God's authority, and that's all that this is. That same spirit is alive and well today and fighting for recognition, yes, even in our churches. Don't be fooled. God is who he says he is, and we are not. And the last scripture, I'll leave you with this, and then I'll develop it uh, next time I come back. James four fourteen through 15, the New King James Version. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Right there, he's saying, go to God and ask him what he wants you to do, rather than you deciding what you want to do and taking it to God to get his say-so on it. Right there, New Testament, it tells you right there in the New Testament, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Those are words of sovereignty, my friend, and I pray that you understand this. I pray that you protect yourself from those that are coming against this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.